0: Hey everyone, my name is Iman Chaudhry and my name is Danielle Solish and you're listening to our ninth episode of Seeing Clearly, which is a pre-clerkship guide to all things ophthalmology. On today's episode, we are going to be interviewing Dr. Nina Barakal.
1: Dr. Nina Barakal is a retina and vitreous disease specialist. She completed her undergraduate degree at Princeton University and then went on to complete her medical school and residency in ophthalmology at Tufts University. Following her residency, she completed a vitreo-retinal and uveitis fellowship at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, where she has remained since.
0: Dr. Barakal is a world leader in medical and surgical management of the retinopathy of prematurity and pediatric vitreo-retinal disorders. She has been the first surgeon to treat the youngest patient in the united states with the first fda approved gene therapy she has also devoted lots of time to teach and support women in the field of ophthalmology and retina so without further ado we would like to introduce dr bear
2: well thank you so much that's um every time i hear everything that i've done it sounds kind of like not my imposter syndrome um you know coming coming out into the forefront but Yes, here I am. So yes, guys, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for uh, being here with
1: us today. Um, I guess we can just jump right into our first question if you're ready, Yes. Um, which would be uh, what drew you to the field of ophthalmology?
2: Well, you know, I I come, you know, a a little story about me. I come from a family of ophthalmologists. my father was the first retina specialist in Puerto Rico, um, and my sister is a vitreoretinal surgeon. I always say that this is an excellent disorder in my family. Um, <laughs> but I will tell you that um, I fought it. I went to Princeton. I I major in political science. I worked in Congress one summer. I tried very hard to do something else. Um, and you know, I graduated from Princeton. Went back home. I had no idea what I wanted to do and um, one of my, my, um, uh, one of the guys I, I used to babysit for his son when he was little, um, owned a, or was the, the I guess a, a law firm. He was um, a partner in a law firm, his own law firm, and I wanted to maybe do a paralegal um, summer or a paralegal year, and I went to talk to him, and he said, you know, Nina, I love you too much to hire you. And I'm like, oh, my God, who says that? How can I, how can I be listening to this? And he goes, you know, I, when I look at your father, I think your father is so much happier than I am. Um, I'm not going to hire you. You should, you should rethink your life. And honestly, when it came from somebody that knew me as a little girl, you know, I used to be a little girl taking care of his, his kid, I sometimes feel that the universe speaks to you, <laughs> honestly. And, and you fight it and you don't hear it. But it, it's coming again and again and again in your life. And, and I think that what has my life been, you know, it's a series of um, opportunities that I've had and a series of people that have come into my life to lead me in the right direction. And I know that sounds kind of like, you know, you know, I don't know, kind of like new agey, but, but I, I truly believe in that. And, you know, after that, I decided, well, maybe I should just, do medicine you know maybe I should give this this a try maybe I'm, I'm just you know you know and I'll tell you when I work in congress I was so disillusioned by politics I thought that you know I wanted to do something for the for the good of, of the majority and um, I felt that it was all real politics I mean it had nothing to do with the greater good so um, then I decided to do medicine and, and here I am <laughs> let's see so
0: no, that's that's an amazing story I feel like now it's there's still some people in my class or someone in my class who was in law school you know a lot of people working in different fields and then something just leads them to the path of medicine and it's quite excellent and it just shows where you belong
2: and let me tell you even in medical school I fought it I said there's no way I'm going to do ophthalmology right I want to do something else and I went through every subspecialty you know I really like kids Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm going to be a pediatrician, yeah. And then I did peace on the wards, and I'm like, I don't think this is for me. Then I did some, um, I, I mentor or, or was like a big sister for kids in cancer and chemotherapy. And I thought, maybe I want I should do a pediatric hemonk. You know, I love kids. This would be great. And I, then I was like, there's no way I can do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to be depressed my entire life. And um, I thought about urology and I really like pediatric urology because, you know, the sex reassignment and all those things, I I enjoy that. But when I did adult urology and it took this man like 15 minutes to tell me that he was there for an erectile dysfunction, I said, I can't can't spend the rest of my life waiting for men to tell me what's wrong with them. So, you know, so then um, I went back to ophthalmology and I said, you know, this is the perfect combination of surgery and clinic, and I think in this field I can be a mom, I can be a wife. Um, Being a mom for me was very important, you know. um, I I knew for sure that I I wanted to be a mother. Um, And you know, I thought that that was the, the perfect combination. I remember my sister telling me, Nina, you have to think about 20 years from now, what do you wanna be doing on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon? And you know, and and you have to think that way. You can't think about the here and now because you change and you have goals and aspirations of family, maybe no family, but you want to be a traveler or you want to work in different countries. So, you know, you have to kind of have a sense of who you are and what's going to make you happier.
0: No, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's very important to think, even though things can change, it's important to think far down the line. Yeah, so thank you for sharing that. that kind of leads me to my next question which is what aspect of being an ophthalmologist do you personally find the most rewarding
2: um i think that vision you know the power of vision and and giving or preserving vision for patients it's it's like nothing else i understand there's cancer there's life you know you can prolong life for patients but i will tell you i have i have this woman that i can clearly remember who had gone through breast cancer twice in her life And she told me that, I I repaired her retinal detachment and she told me that she would rather die than lose her vision. And you know, like this, I have lots of stories. You know, I do a lot of retinopathy of prematurity and locally in this country that the management and the amount of blindness we see from it has decreased severely but in the rest of the world we see it i have kids from you know central america that come to me completely blind because there was no way to screen them and no way to treat them and that is devastating because you know that these kids in a third world country are not going to be taken care of there's no early intervention they get they don't go to school they get ignored um, so it, it's devastating outside you know outside a first world country so you know, for me, I think um, being a pediatric um, a pediatric doctor and dealing with families and longevity of that relationship has been very rewarding. I have kids now that, you know, I treated when they were born and they're 18, 17 years old now, and they come and they hug me and they talk to me and they remember this and remember that. And, you know, that relationship for me is, is priceless. And, um, you know, the surgery part of it is very challenging no two cases in pediatric um, retina are the same so it's a very challenging field it's a very rewarding field and now it's changing so so quickly now it's all gene therapy it's all gonna be gene therapy for for the years to come and and we're gonna be able to hopefully cure blindness which there's nothing more powerful in my mind oh it's amazing to see that uh you know, you have such a long
1: lasting impact on your patients. And it's something that not only stays with them, but stays with you as well, which is uh, amazing to see. Um, because it seems like it's an aspect of your job that you love. And, and I mean, that's obviously extremely important, uh, when you pick what you want to do. And um, thank you for sharing, I guess, all of the paths that you took to, to becoming an ophthalmologist, because it seems like you truly kind of figured out that that's what was most rewarding for you and that's what you you ended up doing. So, thank you for that. Um, so we mentioned it a little bit uh, at the beginning of the episode, um, but you're involved um, in uh, some areas outside of, uh, of your um, practice, I guess, um, for those who don't know. Um, Dr. Barakel wrote a book called *Women in Ophthalmology. So do you mind uh, speaking a bit about that book and what inspired you to be a part of it and what some of the topics are in the book?
2: Yes, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have this wonderful fellow who came from um, Johns Hopkins and um, her name is Christina Wang, who's my co-editor in the book. And Christina uh, was my fellow, then she went on, now she's an attending at Baylor and she came up with this great idea and she goes can I talk to you at one of the academies and she says I have this idea and I want you to co-edit this book with me and you know it it's it's her baby really I just help her find the right people for the right chapters and create like this book that was all-encompassing and it's been a, a great a great experience for me. We've, you know, I remember reading the chapters when we were editing them and I'm literally crying in some chapters because they were so, so real and so honest about the path that, that we as women and the sacrifices we make along the way to make our dreams come true, you know, and, and some of these chapters are, I, I will tell you that they are, they're, they're really raw for, for medicine and really raw for us in, in this field. Um, So I recommend that book not only for for women but for men because it gives you you a range. We have chapters about starting your own private practice, what it is to be in academia, giving a talk, what to do, um, divorce, um, having children, how to manage having children, um, retiring in, in ophthalmology, how to plan your retirement, what to do when you're sick or one of your family members is sick. Um, so we, we really go through a whole whole scheme of, of, of your life, really, from being a medical student, wanting to go into ophthalmology, to retiring as an ophthalmologist. So, you know, um, every chapter teaches you something that is, that is very important and, and that you will use in your life. And it's one of those things that you could have at your night table. And, you know, when you have a hard day at work, just randomly open it to whatever chapter and read it. Because there's always something there that you will you will learn something from that you can use in your life. Yeah,
0: no, I think, I think sometimes I think about that, the
2: fact that there's so much
0: that goes on that no one speaks about so like raw and transparently. And so that's so excellent that there was an opportunity to share those stories with everyone in a way that's like tangible and everyone can access because it is true. A lot of people go through things in silence and don't realize other people are having some similar struggles, so
2: that's uh, an- yes. And I'll tell you that um, one of the greatest things we have this group that um, I don't, we've started called the Vitbuckle Society, and it was you know a group of us. We started this maybe ten years ago, maybe a little bit more. And within Vitbuckle Society, one of the things is all surgical meeting, and and we wanted to be different, and we created this from scratch, and it was gonna be one of these meetings where we're able to talk about difficult things. And it's really a surgical retina meeting, but we decided to talk about mental disease. We decided to talk about pregnancy, hiring a woman versus a man. Um, you know, all these all these topics that nobody really wants to talk about. That I think are so important. And and one of my wonderful ex fellows, who's now a attending at um, coli Center in Cleveland Clinic, had this great idea of having a webinar about um, um, infertility and the options about you know childbearing and it's something that we don't talk about in medicine because remember this was we are an assistant that was created by men for men so there was no space there for us to be pregnant for us to have children you know think about that one of my attendings when she was at bascom the first attending to be pregnant she had a week off after delivery so you know from there and i know this woman from there till now It's better, but it's not perfect. So I I will tell you that I I think that her webinar was amazing because we had, um, you know, a gay man who had a surrogate. We have a woman who went through many cycles of infertility. We had another one that needed an egg donor. Um, So we wanted to offer to young women the options that you can have in your career because nobody talks about this and suddenly you're done with fellowship i was done with fellowship i took three years off after college i was done with fellowship at 34. so at 34 here i am trying to get pregnant and i remember my husband's a urologist and my husband would tell me nina when when women make it couples make it to age 35 50 of those couples will have infertility problems So you know who tells you about this nobody so one of the important things is that this webinar you can find this webinar online and it's it's amazing the options that you have i have another fellow who decided to freeze her eggs Mm -hmm. and she was about to marry this guy who was not a good fit for her you know but she you know the biological clock is ticking and you have this guy and he wants to marry you. And, you know, we sat her down one time, we're like, is this the real, you know, think about what he wants and his life and your life, you you know, the age difference and all this. And we told her, maybe you should talk to an OBGYN about, you know, egg harvesting. And she did it. And lo lo and behold, two years later, she found this amazing guy that fits her life, fits everything that she wanted. And now she has the ability of, of, you know, choosing the right guy, not because her biological clock is ticking, you feel that you have no chance of having children, but because she empowered herself to be able to do this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's, first of all, that's incredible. And I hope to watch this seminar because that sounds amazing. But on top of this, the truth is, is that medicine is such a long journey and such a critical time of one's life, like growing up. And you know, aging, especially with the biological clock, as you spoke about, and that's something that you know people are so focused on getting through medicine and getting through the residency and getting through their fellowship, and they stop to think about other long-term life goals. So that's excellent. So yeah, thank right. you for sharing that, and I'm sure our listeners will really appreciate that as well. Um, and then I guess this is just a final question that we have in terms of um, the more like academic ophthalmology questions. Um, is do you have any last pieces of advice for our listeners who are interested in pursuing ophthalmology?
2: Yes, I I think that, you know, ophthalmology obviously is very competitive. You know, I think that you should, if you're in medical school and you you make it to your fourth year and you haven't figured out what you wanna do, maybe a gap year is not a bad thing where you can you know figure out what you wanna do. Maybe you decided too late and a gap year is a great thing. You can find somebody who will support you and you can write articles, you can shadow them. And I, I will tell you, in ophthalmology, people are very nice. I've never, I've never met people who will say no, both in private practice and in academic medicine, to bring somebody in to help them, you know, bump, you know, make their application better. Um, so at Pascom, we do that all the time. You know, right now I have a medical student that's been with me for between her third year and fourth year of medical school. That's spending with me a year, and she, in like four months, she already has six papers. So you know things like that that really are going to make a difference to to your chances of getting into a better program a lot of medical schools don't have a good ophthalmology program and you're left you know not not being able to build that application up to be competitive but you know there's always a way and and honestly if you end up doing what you really like a year on or a year off it doesn't it doesn't really matter as long as you get into a a, a program that's going to train you well so you know ophthalmology is great people are happy i've never met an unhappy ophthalmologist if they're unhappy it means that they chose the wrong field (laughs) because i will tell you all of my colleagues i mean we're very happy people we love what we do and you know we we want to make people do what we do that's why we bring everybody into our lives we let them shadow us a million times it doesn't matter who you are and we'll always be helpful and you know we know you know I have friends all over the United States and Canada, so, and Latin America, so if there's somebody who needs to write papers with anybody, you know, you can contact me and I'll put you in contact with somebody I know. But, you know, there's always just ask for help. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing better than to really, you know, go out there and, you know, and write emails or call somebody and say, this is what I'm looking for, can you help me? And, you know, some of us will do that every single time. Well, thank you for the
1: advice and uh, and the honesty I think the one thing that uh, I took away from that is that most uh, ophthalmologists and honestly physicians in general are willing to help. um, And they want to support students so reaching out is always you know, the first step, and uh, if i've learned anything from this podcast all of the. uh, all of the uh, physicians that we've interviewed have been amazing and so kind and and willing to help out as well so so really do take the time uh, for our student listeners to reach out because uh you never know who's going to respond to an email and most of the time you know people are willing to to help so definitely uh would take that advice and thank you for that um with that that's kind of the end of our uh academic questions and ophthalmology related questions um for our regular listeners they know that we transition into a more fun segment of the show which is uh would you rather um and so uh, i'll start with the first would you rather question then danielle will do the second okay um so would you rather live uh where it is constantly winter or where it is constantly summer
2: oh my god constantly summer for sure yeah,
1: that's <laughs> yes a, that's a i feel like that's a pretty easy one i would also go <laughs> with
0: the yes. summer. <laughs> yeah, me too. Warm weather would be nice.
1: Yeah. Um, and then
0: the second question is, would you rather be a character in an action-packed thriller or a
2: romantic comedy? Ooh. I would have to say a rom-com. You know, just because I, I even though, you know, maybe if you would have said the X, X-Men versus, a rom-com maybe I would have said that I would rather be in the X-Men but you know being a mutant is an interesting thing for me but um but I in that in that scenario I will have to say rom-com yes <laughs> tends to be happy endings and <laughs> well yes yeah. yeah yeah more fun to film i guess
1: yes um so with all of that uh, I just wanted to say thank you again for uh, for being a part of this episode and uh, for all of the advice that you've shared and all of the resources that you've talked about, including your book, uh, Women in Ophthalmology. Sounds like an incredible resource uh, for our students to, to use. Um, and so um, thank you to everyone else for listening to this episode of Seeing Clearly. Uh, it's our pre-clerkship guide to all things ophthalmology. Uh, to stay caught up with everything else iCurriculum is doing be sure to check out our website at www.icurriculum.com and follow us on instagram at icurriculum thank you again uh, for being with us and for everyone who's listening thank, thank you, you for me. having me thank you bye guys bye